This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 36. Submission 012. Pink Lady and Jeff. Pink Lady and Jeff, aired on NBC from March 1st to April 4th, 1980, for a total of six episodes, one of which went unaired. Welcome to Pink Lady, starring Jeff Altman and Liam Kay. The 1970s had a ton of variety shows, whether you're talking about future entry, the Brady Bunch Variety Hour, or Donnie and Marie, or Sonny and Cher, or even you could say The Muppet Show or Saturday Night Live. Once we got to 1980, the variety show sort of fell out of favor. You had some variety shows, not many. You had Hee Haw, which lasted until the late 80s. You also had uh, another future installment, Barber Mandrill and the Mandrill Sisters. But you also had something on NBC called Pink Lady. And Jeff. And you're saying, well, why are you calling it Pink Lady and sort of putting and Jeff in parentheses? Well, that's that's a story. Well, if we're, well, we're going to tell the story... Why don't we go back a bit? Let's go back. Oh, that's another uh, future installment. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so let's yep. go back to Fred Silverman, who, as we mentioned uh, previously, passed away within the last month or so. He, he was watching Walter Cronkite, and they had a uh, an interest piece on a rock duo in Japan named Pink Lady. And he wanted to do a variety show with them. Now, all he saw was supposedly just like the, the concert footage, you know, just your, your normal human interest piece that would be on the news in the last like five minutes. And he immediately wanted to bring them over. More probably, I'm going to assume, because of their youth and also their looks, not necessarily maybe for their musical talent. And the reason I say that is, do you know how many hits they had in the United States before they came over here? One. And I use the word hit very loosely. In August of 1979, they had a song, 
Kiss in the Dark. Do you know where it reached on the Billboard Hot 100? Uh, I'm cheating here. It was it. Its peak position was number 37. You cheated. It is number 37. Oh. So, so the thing is, I mean, when Casey Kasem does his countdown that week, number 37 is the fourth song played. So before the first commercial break, there's the song, and then it's gone, never to be heard from again. So Fred Silverman wanted to do a variety show with Pink Lady, and he needed somebody to, to, to sort of be the, 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 the straight man, if you will. And who do they get? They get Jeff Altman. Now, you may be saying, who is Jeff Altman? Mike, who is Jeff Altman? That's a great question, Greg. Yeah, I know it's a great question, Mike. Well, Jeff Altman, he was actually really known in the 80s and 90s, and maybe even a little bit later, uh, being a semi-frequent guest on The Letterman Show, whether it was Late Night with David Letterman or The Late Show with David Letterman. Uh, he was also a comedian on Solid Gold. Oh, okay. So he probably hung out with M- Marty Cohen backstage back in the day. Yeah, him and Marty Cohen and probably Arsenio Hall, too, at some point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and also, he was on the uh, NBC series Nurses during its first season, if you remember Nurses. Pretty decent I- show. I do I do remember nurses and that might be a part of a future installment down the line not not a future installment in and of itself but part of one part of one I I I didn't know what nurses was You didn't know what nurses was No Did you watch NBC on Saturday nights in the 80s I was probably about 5 Yeah he would have gone to sleep after the golden girls Oh okay Yeah I, guess, I, guess I, I get I, that yeah, I'm only here for Betty White and B. Arthur, and that's it. I'm going yeah, to bed. And, and then his parents said, oh, here comes 227. You're going to sleep, young man. So Fred Silverman had this brilliant idea for a variety show with Jeff Altman as the comedy and Pink Lady doing comedy as well, but also doing songs both in Japanese, their own songs, but also they were doing more uh, standard Americanized uh, hits. There's just one problem. What's the problem, Mike? Pink Lady couldn't speak English. Oh, no! No, Mike, Mike, how can you have a variety show work if your two big stars can't speak any English? Well, well they would read on cue cards the phonetic version. So I, the best way of comparing it, I think, is sort of like Mr. Ed... You put peanut butter in Mr. Ed's mouth and his mouth moves and then you have a voice actor putting words into Mr. Ed's mouth. That doesn't necessarily mean Mr. Ed knows what he's saying. So by that logic, kind of, sort of, Pink Lady is just reading what's on the cards and they have no idea what's coming out of their mouths. It could be funny. It could be blasphemous. Who knows? And also it makes me wonder if maybe the music was done the same way. Because again, well, I, I know there's you know foreign songs that you know we would know the 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 lyrics to, but given that they were doing you know disco hits from the late '70s slash early '80s, would they necessarily know what was being said in the lyrics, or would they necessarily remember the lyrics? 
Well, that's a funny. That's funny that you should mention that, Mike. I always always like to point out uh, one podcast that was the inspiration for this podcast, Omnibus, in the episode about Millie Vanilli. When uh, Ken and John are talking about Millie Vanilli, John Roderick in in the episode brings up the fact that he once heard a Japanese band sing the theme song of the Dukes of Hazard perfectly, and then when he went up to talk to them, they couldn't speak a word of English. They they learned the entire lyrics to the Dukes of Hazard song phonetically. They had mastered it to a science. A one-minute theme song is a little different than like a three- or four-minute pop song, but the point still stands. So who was Pink Lady? Chico, who was Pink Lady? I'm glad you asked that question. Pink Lady is a J-pop duo from Japan during the 1970s composed of me and Kei. That would be Mitsuo Nemoto and Keiko Masuda. And they were essentially the equivalent to the Beatles over here. They were huge. And you could even see that in the first episode of of Pink Lady and Jeff. Uh, There's footage being shown of them at a stadium where they're probably playing in front of, I'm guessing, about 100,000 people. Big. Very big. Humongous. Absolutely. And maybe they were a little too big for their britches because their agents originally wanted to call the show Pink Lady. And well, there's one issue. They, they had Jeff involved, and they wanted to get, get Jeff's name out there. So there was actually at one point a suggested title, which I'm not even kidding about this, was Pink Lady starring me and Kay with Jeff Altman. That's a little too cumbersome. It's way too cumbersome. And then they just lopped off everything except Pink Lady. Uh, and then just over time, this wasn't even part of the, the show's real name, and Jeff was added. Well, that's how it was marketed in, like, TV Guide and the trades and whatnot. Yeah, e- even though there was threats of lawsuits from Pink Lady's uh, legal team. They said, we want this to be Pink Lady only, you know, d- n- nothing about Jeff. We are, we're, we're focusing strictly on the Pink Lady and... Yeah, when you look at it in ads, not necessarily TV ads, not commercials, but sometimes in print, it does say Pink Lady and Jeff. If you look at the, the uh, at different resources, it does call it Pink Lady, but often it's called Pink Lady and Jeff. I believe that's what the name of the DVD release is, is Pink Lady and Jeff. And oh yes, this is on DVD. What? Are you what? kidding me? Why? It, it was... It was released in 2001 by Rhino Entertainment. Now, how much it goes for, since it's now close to 20 years old, I couldn't tell you. But guess what? I'm going to find out. Oh, boy. Oh, jeez. This is going to be fun. Okay. Oh, yeah. Break out the, the... Go into your retirement fund. There's one copy on eBay that I see. And it's $115. Uh, yeah. And shipping is only $11. I'll tell you right now, shipping is a shipping is a steal. Shipping is a bargain compared to that, absolutely. We should mention that uh, one of the supporting players on Pink Lady and Jeff was 
Jim Varney, who you would better know as Ernest. Hey, Vern! Hey, Vern. We're about to see the Japanese J-pop duo. Know what I mean? Besides the obvious language barrier, there were a number of other issues with the show. Well, one of them is that once the jokes were written for the show, they really couldn't be changed because that that would confuse or, or make life a little more troublesome, burden, uh, more of a burden for, for Pink Lady. So you had the jokes. If something happened between taping and the air date, you couldn't just throw in a new joke because you'd have to rewrite it and, and redo the whole phonetic uh, spelling for uh, the ladies. Uh. Yeah, and, and then also there was an incident where Lauren Green was on the show. They oh. really spared no expense at getting good quality guests. We'll get to that in a moment or so. Lauren Green was on the show. The, the problem is Lauren Green agreed to be on the show literally hours before it recorded. So, again, you can't change any jokes. You can't change any dialogue for, for Pink Lady. You sort of have to go with the flow. And how, how, they, how they did that, I have no idea. Well, you just got to you know, roll with the punches. It, it, you've already written the jokes. You can't do any sort of editing or modifying because that would be too much work uh, on Pink Lady. Plus, also, they'd have to memorize or attempt to memorize if they didn't have the cue cards written up in phonetically. And I mean, I don't even know how they would do that unless they had like a Japanese translator on the set who could write the cue cards out. Could they read English characters off a cue card? I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing that would be a difficult transition to go from Japanese to a totally different type of, of writing. But also beyond that, obviously it just wasn't funny, but it was also very stereotypically racist. Uh, oh, do, we have, no. do we have to go oh, there again? Guys, we, we went guys. through this with Banzai. Do we have to go through this again? Uh, yeah. Um, where to start with the racism, though? Because How about or, the beginning? Or, 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 or maybe we should say stereotyping. Where should we start with the stereotyping? I think we should begin at the beginning, Mike. Well, because we, we, we should begin at the beginning. Yes, Chico. Uh, that was an intro to what was told to be a traditional Japanese number. And here are Kay and me in the traditional kimonos. Oh, but even before that, in the development of the show. Oh, boy. No, no, no. Not no. that. No. Mike, 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 what are you doing, Mike? Oh, what are you going to say? I'm just scared. What are you going to say? That the original idea that Sid and Marty Croft came up with, or at least one of the Crofts, was that the show would be sort of set in like a Japanese box that opens up. And by Japanese box, I don't know if they mean a takeout box or if they mean a bento box or if there's some sort of Japanese art form of creating special boxes, but that was the original idea for how the show would be presented. Good night, everybody. That, yeah. 
But no, it goes beyond that. Not not just the kimonos, not just the joke that Jeff Altman said about wishing out we had the tempura concession at the concert. Instead of doing like a usual wipe, like there might be a star wipe or a, a wipe off the screen, one of the wipes that was used was an Oriental fan. What? Look for it. It, it, it was. It, a yeah, tessen. It, Are you talking about a Tessen? I'm talking about whatever the name of that fan is. Yeah, that's a Tessen. You, you'd know that more than I would. I like Japanese stuff. What can I say? But but also th- there were f- quite a few jokes about j- just Japanese culture about uh, you know incorporating the fact that me and Kay are from Japan. There is also a character, a somewhat recurring character, who was a sumo figure, a sumo wrestler. Sometimes he would bust through a wall. There were other times he'd appear at the end of the show, which we'll get to later in this broadcast. And, yeah, it's just stereotyping and 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 what would be considered just a little bit on the, the racist side. So, but aside from all of this, it was just your standard run-of-the-mill average variety show with your standard run-of-the-mill average variety show usual suspects. Yeah, but the, uh, the, the one big thing is Sid and Marty Croft were behind Donnie and Marie. Well, they were also behind the Brady Bunch uh, variety hour. So, <laughs> so it goes both ways there. But still, they had... They had experience doing those types of shows. Plus, also, they were behind, again, future installment, Barbara Mandrell and Mandrell Sisters, which would come a year or two later. So they knew the variety format. They've done, at this point, two at least two before, and you got Pink Lady and Jeff, and then they're going to do at least one more after that. So it's not like they didn't know what they were doing. They knew the key to success. Again, Donnie and Marie. That's all you need to say. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Also, at least from the episodes I saw, and I did see multiple episodes. I'm sorry about that. I I, I, I wasted time watching these episodes. They did try creating some, some recurring characters and recurring... Um, Recurring, I don't want to say recurring plot lines necessarily, but they have repeating types of segments. One of the characters that Jeff Altman did was sort of like a schlocky art dealer named Art Nouveau. Art N-U-V-O. Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. And he was trying to sell cheap artwork, almost like out of the, not necessarily out of the back of his car, mind you, but in some sort of, you know, cramped sort of place where we need to move all this now. We're going to do 80% off of this. And it just really wasn't funny. And, and as I said, they did have some bit players, one of whom was Jim Varney. He was interesting, to say the least. He was probably, at least humor-wise, the best part of the show. It's not saying much. Really it, 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 it isn't saying much, but compared to the other people who are on the show, I mean, the other people on the show... I don't even know who they are. Uh, you have Sherry Steinkellner, 
and Ed Nakamoto and Anna Matthias. Three people I've never heard of. Who are three people who have never been in my kitchen. And two people who don't even have a reference on Wikipedia, so that says quite a bit about them. And now the guests. As I mentioned earlier, Lauren Green was on the show, but he literally agreed to being on the show hours, three hours, four hours before the show was recorded. So there was not much wiggle room in terms of changing the script. It wasn't like they could make a Battlestar Galactica sketch. No, no, not at all. In the first episode, the guests were Burt Parks, Sherman Hemsley, and Blondie. Interesting thing about that, because apparently Blondie didn't have any involvement with the show whatsoever. They just showed the video. That's actually the point I was going to make, and this doesn't just apply to Blondie. It applies to at least one other musical guest, is they weren't on the show per se. They just aired a music video done by the artist. Yeah, yeah, because remember, guys, MTV isn't until August of 81. Right, yeah, we're still uh, almost a year and a half away from MTV at this point. So yeah, so Blondie was not there in person. It was a music video, specifically Shayla by Blondie. I mentioned earlier that Pink Lady did a number of songs, some of their own songs in Japanese, some actual hits on the radio at the time. Uh, Looking at the uh, first episode, some of the songs that were performed by Pink Lady, Boogie Wonderland, Turn Up the Radio, Stop in the Name of Love, uh, You've Got a Friend, Knock on Wood, and Don't Stop. How many of those were actually Pink Lady songs? I think the number would be maybe one or zero. Uh, I, I, look, th- I, I think that the answer would be none, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if anything, one, I believe, was the theme song to the television series, and that would be Turn Up the Radio. And we know what Stop in the Name of Love is. We know what You've Got a Friend is. Don't Stop. Knock on Wood. We know all those. And Boogie Wonderland just doesn't come across as a song that would have probably played in Japan. And no, it didn't, because it was a song by Earth, Wind, and Fire. I'll be honest. They would have been much better off if they played Shining Star, to be honest. No, y'all. Sing a song. They gotta put... If you're gonna cover an Earth, Wind, and Fire song, you gotta cover Sing a song. Episode one, not necessarily was so bad, but the, the ratings were so disastrous that NBC moved it from its Saturday night time slot just after one episode to Friday nights. So episode two actually aired almost two weeks later on March 14th of 1980. And the guests for that show were Larry Hagman, Sid Caesar, Donny Osmond, and Teddy Pendergrass. And again, I can only imagine the amount of money it took to get Larry Hagman on that show. And again, from what I've read, a lot of money was paid to the celebrities to appear on the show. Because remember at this time, Larry Hagman would have been a huge celebrity on a little show called Dallas that aired on another network. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. 
and supposedly, from what I heard, a lot of the budget actually went towards the celebrities. Because Larry Hagman would not have been cheap. Even Sid Caesar, given his legendary status, I know it's 1980, but still, he's a legend. He may not come cheap. How much was Teddy Pendergrass baking around this time? I imagine a lot. Yeah, Teddy Pendergrass back in 1980 would have been doing pretty well. And even Donny Osmond. Again, I know he had the relationship with the Crofts that I mentioned earlier, but Donny Osmond couldn't have been terribly cheap either. Oh, no. And he he was reasonably young. He would have only been, what, maybe about 20 at the time? He might have been early, mid-20s at this point. Oh, he was definitely no older than maybe 22 or 23. So looking at the the songs that... uh, that were performed on that show by Pink Lady. Ease on down the road. Not one of their songs. Turn up the radio. Heaven knows performed by Donny Osmond and Pink Lady. Oh, that was great. That was a good one. We are family by Donny Osmond and Pink Lady, which you can almost write the jokes right there about we are family with, with Donny Osmond. Do you think? Do you think they were all wearing Pittsburgh Pirates hats? They should yeah. have. Willie Stargell should have come out and started singing with them. Nope. Instead, we get Teddy Pendergrass. Oh well. Well, Teddy Pendergrass, he definitely had something for the ladies that night. I'll just say that much. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Ooh, if you've seen the footage, yeah. I mean, he was doing like. I saw the footage. <laughs> it, 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 it was like televised fellatio to the left. <laughs> but I'm not wrong, though. No, 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 no. And, and then you had 42nd Street by Donny Osmond and Pink Lady and On Broadway with Teddy Pendergrass and Pink Lady. So again, none of their original songs showed up. Oh, I'm just I'm still trying to recover from how bad that was. I'm still then, trying to recover from the Teddy Pendergrass footage. Oh, I'm still having uh, hot flashes over that. All right, episode oh three. The guests on this episode were Greg Evigan. Oh, Greg Evigan of future entry BJ and the Bear. I was going to say my two dads, but whatever. And and, and some guy named Hugh Hefner. And Cheap Trick. But wait! What? Cheap Trick, they showed a video. They showed the video for Dream Police. So again, just like Blondie, Cheap Trick was not there performing. They literally mailed it in. They mailed the video. So you're saying that Cheap Trick performed a Cheap Trick? Yeah! Quoting my good friend Dino Alexander. Greg, go to your room. <laughs> yeah, Hugh Hefner was not alone on this episode, though. Oh, he was not alone. Not I, in the slightest. In, in one of the skits, he was joined by, it uh, must have been about five or six of his his Playboy buddies. And was, I, I think it was like five or six. Yeah. There were new recruits who were becoming Playboy bunnies, and guess who they were? Me and Kay. And hey, let's add in a little sexual humor. Because me and Kay were going to be bunnies, except they felt a little, um, let's say, inadequate. Because their bosoms were small. 
And they looked at the girls and they looked down at their chest and like, no, we're not Playboy bunnies because we have small boobs. There's another there's another one of those unfunny racist sexist jokes. And we thought the biggest boob on that show was Jeff Altman. Hey oh but, but interesting thing, they did sing one of their original songs. Yes, they did! What? It took until like three shows for them to sing an original song? Yep. Tell the man, Chico. They say, they opened the show with a song called UFO. Or UFO, yeah. not UFO. No, seriously, it's called. it was called UFO. I'm looking at the pronunciation on Wikipedia, Truth by Consensus. UFO. He's right, folks. I can't believe it. <laughs> what I lie to you people, oh my god. Not to our faces. <laughs> uh, but, but then you had other songs that night. You had Greg Evigan singing People I Know I Want to Be Around. And then and him and Pink Lady together did Don't Go Breaking My Heart with Greg Evigan doing the, the Elton John role presumably but then Kiki D was being done by Pink Lady yeah, I want was... to see that I'm sorry I want to see that oh, folks he's gonna go see that now well Wait, no I'm what? not gonna go see that now and here's episode 4 here's the Lorne Green episode Lorne Green oh again Sid Caesar Florence Henderson, and guess who came back? Quote unquote came back. Blondie! Came back. Oh! Blondie's back. Blondie's back, Mike! Blondie's back! And, well, back in terms of we mailed in another music video. Could you please air it? Because MTV won't be around for another 17 months. I, I saw bits and pieces of this episode, and it, it just see, it's, it's, it's like all the rest of them. It's just not that good. Florence Henderson, I really didn't care for. She did sing, though. Yeah, she did like a melody of my old Kentucky home, back home again in Indiana, and America the Beautiful. It was like the only reason why you would know one of those songs if you were a straight no chaser fan. Back home again in Indiana. Because they're from Indiana. Yeah, and she sang for like a good eight to ten minutes. And I'm sorry, my finger got hurt trying to hit the fast-forward button on the YouTube video. I don't want to see Florence Henderson singing! She's a good singer. Oh, I'm taking nothing away from her. I just uh, I don't care about uh, eight minutes of singing. Yeah, I don't want to hear Carol Brady sing for about eight minutes. I'm sorry. Thank you for the support, Greg. Uh, and Pink Lady, and I, I, again, I don't think Pink Lady did a single one of their songs here. You Keep Me Hanging On, clearly not Pink Lady. Yesterday, clearly not a Pink Lady song. How Deep Is Your Love, clearly not a, a Pink Lady song. Shame, not a, a Pink Lady song, I'm sorry. And La Freak, definitely, definitely not a Pink Lady song. Pink lady no, song. definitely not, definitely not, definitely not. In episode five... The guest stars were Jerry Lewis, Red Buttons, who was probably a little bit past his expiration date at that point. You think? I know. <laughs> and Alice Cooper. 
Boy, those are three names that you'd never think you'd hear together in the same sentence. Jerry Lewis, Red Buttons, and hey, here's Alice Cooper. Why not? And Alice Cooper actually performed at this show. It was not mailed in. And again, this is just, again, painful. I saw some of the Red Button stuff. Just not funny. And clearly, this almost sounds like a last gasp effort to save the show because Alice Cooper definitely would have brought in the younger eyes. But then at the same time, you've got Jerry Lewis, who would have been probably 55 at the time. I don't think he was doing anything major outside of the, the telethon every year at that point. No, in fact, he would be about five or six years removed from Peter Solomon's The Jerry Lewis Show. And Red Buttons, oh my gosh, I mean, he he was easily probably about a good 15 to 20 years past his, 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 his use by date. His use by date. Well, that's not necessarily the wrong phrase to use, but yeah, his, um, his shelf life expired about 15 years earlier. And uh, some of the songs. Oh, my gosh. Pink Lady sang another one of their songs. That's two in five episodes. Monster. It was number one for eight weeks in Japan, and it sold 1.6 million copies. And along with UFO, it was the only two songs of Pink Ladies that they performed. And then they sang MacArthur Park. That would have been interesting to hear them sing MacArthur Park. I'm sorry, but Gilbert Godfrey did it better on his podcast. <laughs> and then, oh, oh, here's the... Okay, this, this is a threesome. I, I get, like, a little bit of the connection between the first two, but the third one, I'm sorry. Do You Think I'm Sexy? Dancing Queen. And then the one that just doesn't fit this at all. If my friends could see me now, da 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 is another one of those three song medleys like Florence Henderson did. But you've got "Do You Think I'm Sexy" and "Dancing Queen," two disco era hits from the late seventies, and then you've got "If My Friends Could See Me Now" from the musical "Sweet Charity." Shoulder shrug here. Well, uh, Linda Clifford actually did record a disco version of If My Friends Could See Me Now in 1978. Problem is this episode isn't out there as far as I know, so we don't know if it was a disco version or a straight-up version or what. And as I said, Alice Cooper was actually in studio and performed Clones. We're all. And Which then was we kind of freaky. It was Alice Cooper. Everything was kind of freaky about him back in the day. And then the unaired episode. Oh. The unaired episode. Now, this one I may have wanted to watch back in the day. Roy Orbison. And say what you will about him being past his expiration date. Roy Orbison is timeless. He and is timeless. And he's, Bobby, like eight, he's eight years away from traveling Wilburys. At this point, he would have been like seven or eight years away from traveling Wilburys. You're right. And then Bobby Vinton, Sid Caesar again, and some young kid who would go on to own the Weather Channel named Byron Allen. Who who that guy be? He was on some NBC show. Oh, more more corporate synergy with NBC. Some NBC show called Real People. Oh, I bet that didn't last. 
No, it, 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 it didn't last long at all. Never heard of it. And this, uh, and, and the music on this show included Sugar Pie Honey Bunch, or I Can't Help Myself. Again, not a Pink Lady song. Crazy Little Thing Called Love. Again, not a Pink Lady song. And then uh, him and Johnny B. Good, a medley performed by Bobby Vinton and Pink Lady. And yeah, Bobby Vinton was actually there in the studio. He did a number of songs. He did more than Pink Lady that night, apparently. Uh, he did Roses Are Red, My Love, Blue on Blue, Love How You Love Me, Sealed with a Kiss, Blue Velvet, all five in a medley. So we complain about Florence Henderson singing for like eight minutes. Bobby Vinton probably went for at least ten. He did the medley, him and Johnny B. Good with Pink Lady. Yeah, uh, but if, you, if you've ever heard him and if you've ever heard Johnny B. Good, they don't go together. No, they don't. Yeah, not as good as Marvin Barry in the Starlighters version. Uh, and then Roy Orbison, gosh, I hope he did some comedy here because the only thing it says uh, in terms of music that he did was Oh Pretty Woman. I mean, his seminal hit. Uh, but then you actually had Jeff Altman doing two, two songs. No. He, what? He, he, he sang the Bobby Vinton song, Mr. Lonely, how appropriate. And he also did Blue on Blue with, with Bobby Vinton. Well. Yeah. Who knew he could sing? He definitely wasn't great at comedy. No, I shouldn't say that. No, that's mean. That, that's very mean. He gave yeah. it the good old college. He gives it the good old college try. And one thing we haven't mentioned at this point, the end of the show. At the end of every show, and Pink Lady says, this is a Japanese tradition, which I'm sorry, I call shenanigans on this. They would go into a hot tub. No. So what would happen is me and Kay, at least on the first episode, they would go behind a Japanese silk screen. Boy, again, more stereotyping. They would undress with their silhouettes being shown through the screen and just getting all giddy looking and whatnot. And here come me and Kay wearing kimonos or robes. And when they say, we're going to do this Japanese tradition we do uh, after every yes. show or whatnot, they take off the robes and they're wearing skimpy bikinis. And they go to this hot tub, which is in the back of the set. They reveal the, 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 the hot tub by opening essentially what looks like, again, more stereotyping, Japanese screen doors. And there's the hot tub, and they go in and they say, oh, Jeff, it's nice and warm in here. Come join us. And Jeff, meanwhile, is wearing a tuxedo, and he's wearing leather shoes. He's dressed to the nines. And no, no, I can't go in there because I'm wearing you know, this tuxedo and these nice shoes. Oh, but come on, Jeff. And they slowly you know, lure him in, and he puts a couple feet into the hot tub, you know, ruining his shoes. And then within a few seconds, he's neck deep in the hot tub. Tuxedo's totally soaked. 
And the girls sort of kind of start undressing him, taking off his tie and taking off his jacket. You know, oh, you need to relax, Jeff. They did variations of that on at least a couple of episodes. The the second episode, they were just in like kimonos or robes and just stripped down to the bikinis and went to the hot tub. Again, with Jeff uh, showing signs of trepidation, saying, no, 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 I'm going to stay here. I don't want to get this tuxedo ruined. But by episode five, I believe this is episode five, the last aired episode, me and Kay were going to do the hot tub scene, but where's Jeff? And guess what? Jeff was in the hot tub already in a bathing suit, just relaxing, chilling. And remember the sumo guy I mentioned earlier? Was he also in the tub? He was in the tub, but he was like underwater and there was a joke being made about sharks. And guess what came up? A dorsal fin. And Jeff ran out of the hot tub wearing just his his bathing suit. And here's the, the sumo guy. He stands up. He's laughing. Tee hee hee. And that's all we saw of Pink Lady and Jeff on NBC until Rhino Entertainment decided to release this on DVD over 20 years later. It was a mess. Ugh. That's I, mean, I mean, you can sort of see the writing on the wall when, I, as I said, it started on March 1st of 1980, a Saturday night, and within one episode got moved to Friday nights. That's not good. No. So what can I say except Pink Lady went back to Japan. Um, they went. They made some. They made some more music. I uh, they still... I, I, I'm going to stop you right there, Chico. They actually broke up a little bit after this. I think it was really. 1980, I think it was what? 1980. Yeah, it was like 1981 or 82. But they did reunite about ten years ago. Oh, they were on some sort of like reunion tour or something like that. So they they did officially break up like in 81 or 82. Uh, I don't know whether they went their own ways or whether they uh, when I say went their own ways in terms of doing solo music or if they did TV, they went in different careers, but they did reunite from what I read sometime around 2010, 2011 and did some touring at that point. So they did go back to music. Woohoo! Uh, Jeff Altman would end up being the, another one of those, another one of those people that we say it's that guy from that thing. Uh, it's that guy was, from Letterman. Yep, he was. Seriously. A, oh, oh, fun fun fact: he played Slimer on the real Ghostbusters. Wow. And as for the sumo, well, who knows what happened to that guy? Yeah. But what could you say except music, music variety acts, comedy bits, and overt racism? Yeah, you would not be having any of that in 2020. But in 1980, it was a thing on TV. Yep. Oh, was it? Was it ever? It was a naughty thing on TV. Remember, you can find past episodes, find our social media links. 
all at www.itwasathingontv.com. Remember, we're also on the Place to Be Nation Pop Network. We're anywhere you can find podcasts just about. And also, don't forget, please, rate and review, like and subscribe, all that fun stuff. We'd really appreciate that. And don't forget to share, because sharing is caring. And here's the little comment from NBC, the more you know. Do-do-do-do! The more you know, sharing is caring. Yay. (laughs) This PSA was brought to you by Zach Morris. Hashtag Zach Morris is trash. Anyway. Yes, he is. Uh, so next time, uh, what are we doing next time? Oh, it's a special episode. Oh, it's, oh, it's a special episode? I like special episodes. Yes. We're not going to be talking about a TV show. We're, we're going to sort of go off the rails like we did with the, the Tommy Westfall universe, kind of, sort of. So it's not going to be a TV show specific show. It'll be something a little different. But that's coming up later this week. For now, I'm Mike, and he's Chico, and he's Greg, and we'll be back later this week with another installment of It Was a Thing on TV. Sayonara. Good night. See you next week.